We live inside a dream. People are under a lot of stress, Bradley. Hello, and welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Probably my favorite quote from the series uh, at this point. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates with your two favorite geeks who like Twin Peaks. My name is Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. To hell. <laughs> I think I've done that before. Welcome I think to die. <laughs> We're getting to the point where we're going to start repeating stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I feel like I've already told the same stories on this show many times, which, honestly, that's kind of like what it's like getting to know me in person. So maybe it's a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, that reminds me of this time I saw uh, I saw um, Sherilyn Fenn at, at a deli. Have I told <laughs> you about this? Uh, you have, <laughs> but can I hear it again? <laughs> no, no. You know... Uh, uh, we're 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 at Twin Peaks. I guess we're we're a David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick podcast. That's correct. Uh, if if you're just joining right now, you can go back and listen to us talk about all of their films, all of Twin Peaks, uh, for the most part. Um, and we're 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 finishing off with Twin Peaks: The Return. Uh, Jeremy has not seen it before. I've seen it before. Right. And uh, Jeremy. Yes. Uh, I guess we'll get into it, but um, what what are your overall <laughs> thoughts on on these two parts, fifteen this and is, sixteen? This is the penultimate episode of our Twin Peaks coverage. I'm going to be mm-hmm. very sad to see it go. Yeah. Honestly, we've been doing Twin Peaks now for so long, with just I would say a brief month, month and a half in between doing seasons one and two, and then the return. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it's sort of like Stockholm Syndrome where, you know, my my captors have somehow grown on me and now I'm, I don't want to let them go. And, and I, pref- I kind of prefer it here in Twin Peaks and wish I wish I didn't have to say goodbye to it. It's going to be very sad. As for these two episodes uh, in particular, absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Part sixty. Yeah, I cannot wait to talk to you about uh, our buddy Philip Jeffries. <laughs> yeah, can I also but, say that part sixteen did one thing? We've. I, I don't know if it's a critique that we've made of the return, but it was definitely something we noticed. Is that like they didn't hinge episodes on a nail biter or like a uh, you know a cliffhanger, uh, but episode sixteen definitely ends with a traditional, you know, Lost-style cliffhanger ending. <laughs> yes, yeah. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll get into it, but it's it's, it's good stuff. Um, so before we dive in, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're doing uh, all sorts of stuff over there. Jeremy, what, give, give the people a little, a little hint, a, a little taste. Oh, so much, it is, it is like a, party over there in the on the patreon if uh but my kind of party the kind where only you know six to eight people (laughs) are invited (laughs) and uh we we all are into the same exact things and uh and and you know everyone's just kind of like having the same conversations no i i joke but it is a good time over there in the patreon we are covering all kinds of stuff we are wrapping up we have we have our if you're listening to this episode we've already wrapped up our coverage of season two of Tales from the Crypt, the 1990 HBO scare anthology series. And boy, I got to tell you, that last episode was a doozy. We are also doing stuff like uh, Lilai Land, the Hollywood conspiratorial podcast series that Eric is, uh, the Eric hosts. You know, we've, we've covered all kinds of films recommended to us by patrons over there, and which I would say... Is quite an incentive for Patreon members. If you want to, you know, hear us cover a specific thing, you know, go over on the Patreon, sign up for that tier, and and you'll let her rip. 
What are some of the, the films that we've covered at patrons' requests, Eric? At patrons' requests, we did the, uh, I always, I think I always get the name of this right, but is The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas? Yes, The Best Little um, Whorehouse in Texas. We did Tusk. Tusk. We did, uh, which by the way, Jeremy, I uh, was was looking online. There's like a, there's like a, a, a whole database of screenplays. And I, I found the Tusk screenplay. <laughs> so I was like reading some of the Tusk screenplay today. And how was as it? As well as uh, Clerks. Great stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good, both both films, very well written. Uh, we're also, uh, we covered, did I say Frankenhooker? No, you didn't. <laughs> okay, we, we did Frankenhooker. We did all sorts. We, we've been doing all sorts of stuff over there. And uh, it's a great time. I, I think I have an idea, Jeremy, for next month. But uh, yeah, right now we're 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 finishing off speaking about crypt keeping our uh, season two coverage of St- Tales from the Crypt, and we're gonna take a little hiatus from that, and d- we have some other uh, crazy stuff we're gonna do, uh, and yeah, so yeah. that's five bucks a month, Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy, and Jeremy, before we dive in. I got to give the people what they came here for. You know, I'm looking at the SoundCloud numbers. I can see when people stop listening. It's usually right after this. (laughs) Right after this segment that I like to call the Moose Minute, where I give everyone uh, an update on my first time watching uh, uh, Northern Exposure. Right. I'm deep into season three, Jeremy. All I'll say, huge fan of Chris, favorite character, second favorite character, got to say Shelly. Uh, I think I saw my favorite episode so far last night, though, Jeremy. The entire uh, A story of the episode is this guy, Chris, who is like, uh, he, he's like the town DJ. He's very uh, philosophical and, and, and like artsy. Mm. He's an artist. Mm-hmm. He, for a performance uh, piece, uh, a performance art piece, gets it in his head that he wants to fling a cow into the air. Um <laughs> And that, that's all I'll say. It's a great, it's a great piece of television. Uh, it's, re- it's actually very funny how uh, creative the storylines get when you set a TV show in a place like a small town in Alaska. Right. Because you kind of have to like make up hijinks. Yeah, you that- just, just it, literally the world is your oyster at that point because <laughs> you've told all the stories that could possibly happen in one episode. So then... <laughs> So then it's yeah. all just inventing from there. I will say there's a lot of episodes where like characters come to visit. <laughs> which is <laughs> but which is actually great cuz you get some like recurring characters this way that are, the, that that are great but Oh uh, yeah. So that's been your moose minute, moose Jeremy. Minute. Oh man, I can't wait to talk about part 15, part 16. Yeah. What do you think we should start with? <laughs> You know what? Let's throw the listeners for a wild ride and start with 16 and work backwards. <laughs> okay, from the last scene. And, yeah, from the last work. scene and work all the way back. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't want to do that, to be honest. As with fun you. as that sounds, yeah, it. let's probably just do, <laughs> do it the right way. Uh, Jeremy, by the way, uh, I, invited, I invited someone. Uh, you know, I've... Okay, so Drew... Uh, you know, Drew, our buddy oh, Drew, yeah. he, uh, he's been DMing me. We, we've been mm-hmm. DMing back and forth about Twin Peaks, uh, about Twin Peaks theories. Yeah. This guy knows more about Twin Peaks than I do. He's one and of I'm our like, reply guys. He's one of our reply guys. And Jeremy, <laughs> God damn it. If I didn't, if I didn't ask Drew, if he could come on on the last episode. Oh, that's sick. Cause I, here's the thing is I consider myself sort of smart. Uh, Twin Peaks is like a very complicated thing, and uh, it, I think it's going to take more than one of me to. Um, I th- I think it'll be good to have him because he he seems like he has a little bit more of a of sort of like a co- uh, a coherent theory about what what all is going on and stuff. Right. Um, so what what you're saying is that when we started this plane ride, uh, for which we're the captains, you know, you're the pilot, yeah. I'm the co-pilot. Yeah, uh, we were flying the plane just fine, but now that we're towards the end of the flight, we, we're both so <laughs> drunk we can't possibly land this plane. So we need one of the passengers, Drew, to come up from coach and help us land this plane. Because what we didn't know about Drew all along was he was a freaking the best pilot on on board. 
Yeah, air air marshal. What's an air marshal exactly? That's that a like guy a, with a gun, I think. Uh, okay, <laughs> Drew. Uh, well, we won't be in the same place. Feel free to bring a gun to the recording yeah. if, you, if, you, if you feel like you Drew, need you to. Drew, you can bring whatever contraband you want to the recording. Honestly, it'll be your own house. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I invited him to your place, but uh, <laughs> okay, anyway, part fifteen. Also, uh, you're gonna have to recoup the airfare. Oh, we'll talk sure. about this yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and he's uh, just probably riddled with uh, COVID, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Nadine Hurley walks along the street proudly, displaying her gold shovel. She reaches Big Ed, uh, says she's changed. I think she says she's realized she's been a selfish, selfish bitch, mm-hmm. which he says. And yeah. Um, I love it. By the way, I love Ed's reaction to when she first approaches him and says... Ed, I've changed. And he goes, oh? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the most like curious, oh? <laughs> I wonder, I'm curious about, because uh, they used to live together next to the gas station there. Mm. And I couldn't figure out, I think this is an entirely different gas, gas station, station setup. Well, um, Obviously, we, they don't live together anymore. Right. Maybe they do. I, I think know. Nadine... I think she might just live inside the drapes store. I could see it. Yeah. I mean, gets probably gets nice and dark in there. Yeah, nice and quiet. Yeah. Uh, having come to the realization that he only stayed with her due to his guilt, so she decides to free him, giving her a uh, blessing uh, for him to pursue Norma. She then leaves a shocked Ed at the gas farm. Now, do um, you think that she secretly just kind of wants to get with Jacoby now. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> and it's also kind of funny that, like, she's like, yeah, I knew this whole time. I knew, I've known about Norma for over 25 years now. <laughs> yeah. You fucking idiot. You were, wow. like, I caught you guys in bed together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I should say this is all from the Twin Peaks fandom, uh, this, this synopsis. Right. Uh, Ed goes to the Double R Diner to whisk away Norma. Uh, but she apologizes as Walter joins her. Uh, he sits down, orders a coffee with, I believe he says cy- cyanide. A cyanide uh, tablet. Uh, yes, a cyanide tablet. Uh, Norma tells Walter to take over the franchise and to leave her with her flagship diner. As she wishes to spend more time with her family, uh, she has made through the diner. Uh, baffled, Walter uh, tells her she has made a mistake and leaves. Norma goes to Ed and he asks her to marry him. Uh, they embrace, and Norma agrees to Ed's proposal. Shelly watches with glee. We get just a beautiful, beautiful use of, uh, what's it called? I've been loving you too long. Is that Oh, the- yeah. Oh, dude. What a great, what a great music, music in cinema, you know? Just such a great example of using music the right way. My heart went out to Ed the whole time in this scene. I really loved his performance, just closing the eyes. It's almost like he knew what was going to happen. It was is great. I'm like increasingly blown away by the music selection in yes. this and I want I I'm curious like how involved David Lynch was. Um and I I guess I've never looked into like a uh, music supervisor if David Lynch works with the same music right. supervisor if he picks everything. But like the if you listen to the lyrics in, in this song it's like absolutely perfect for this scene and these two characters. Um, but like all of the music in the Roadhouse, I've been watching these uh, Roadhouse performances on on the on the Blu-ray, and they all fit like so perfectly. And the we'll get to it, but the uh, who's the 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 Pearl Jam guy? Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder. That song he wrote for the Return is oh, like that's perfect. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I I just like some of it fits just so well. It's it's really uh, it's great stuff. Yeah, anyway. I assume that that was David Lynch's ultimate vision was to have each episode sort of end at the fucking bar with a band playing. I mean, I assume yeah. that, right? Like, uh, do you? What do you think? Do you think that maybe that could have been in the influence of like a music advice? Because it it caps the episodes in a way, and he's directing them. He's directing those scenes, so I, yeah. I think that was him. Him and Mark Frost. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Cooper Ganger 
Cooper's doppelganger, uh, drives down a dark road, reaching a convenience store where a woodsman leads him to a room above it, meeting another woodsman by a mechanism and a jumping man. So this is wild. I mean, we're, we're watching Bad Coop go to the actual convenience store yeah, and above it. Um, he requests to see Philip Jeffries and is led to a motel. Uh, I believe so. This motel is from. I think it's it's from something. It was either in fire. I think it might have been in Fire Walk with me when Leland is like hooking up with um, what's her name? Uh, the woman that that that, that got away. Oh, um, her name. yeah. Uh, her name was like not. Oh, um, yeah, shit. she'll come to me. Yeah, yeah. The other girl that was with Laura Palmer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so wait a minute. Is this also the motel that Ben Benjamin Horn was cheating on his wife with with the older oh that Catherine? That could be. I forgot okay. about that. Yeah, that definitely could be. Because there was like a big shootout at that motel. I mean, a lot of stuff happened at that motel. That's where they find Mike, I think, for one of the first times, selling yeah. shoes out of his motel. Ronette Pulaski. Ronette Pulaski. Um, you know what? I love this shot uh, when we're walking down that hallway before we get to the motel. And uh, I love when David Lynch like imposes like two images on top of one another. And sort of like fucks with the intensity of how much you see one versus the other. He does this a lot in Inland Empire. Right. But it's, we're watching this dark hallway and then like trees, like like we're in the woods of, you know, Washington or something. But the way the trees look (laughs) in this context, it looks, if you look at them in a certain way, they look like curtains of the red room. It's really, it's trippy. It was tripping me out. But, uh, a woman approaches and unlocks a room uh, door for him. Inside the motel room, he meets with Jeffries, uh, speaking through a steam-emitting mechanism. So what do you, what do you think of this? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. <laughs> you know, at this point, though, there is something to seeing anything in Twin Peaks where you're like, yeah, of course. You know, you're kind of along for the ride at this point. So nothing is really shocking me, but it was cool to see, like, how are they going to do Philip Jeffries, have that question be answered in such a fun way. I really do yeah. think that this was, like, a beautiful... Uh, you know, I kind of can't tell with, with the return a lot of times, like, because the way David Lynch shoot, shoots a lot of this footage is with incredibly dark... like surrounded by incredible darkness right so i couldn't tell if this was like a giant prop or if this was like a digital you know something constructed digitally so i'm not i'm not, I'm not quite sure but it, if it was there on set like a big giant steam pot that they built i mean it looked gorgeous either way i guess i'll just say that it looked really cool it looked like something out of a racer head um, yeah, I have. They don't have anything of this in uh, of it in the behind the scenes that I saw. But in in the behind the scenes for part eight, when they're in the uh, the place with the you know the firemen and Senorita Dido, right? And there's that big bell. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing is like all like green screen, basically. So right. it's like the shape of it, but it's all green. Same with uh, like when NATO takes Cooper up to the. Um, Again, like another bell kind of a thing. So there's a lot of there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like green screen kind of stuff that that, that they do later. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's what is happening here. Then also, but it just either way, green screen or not, it it looked beautiful, and I think that's an testament to how David Lynch is conceptualizing using digitally enhanced video effects. Like he's yeah, it's it's like so dark that it looks real it's it's a it's a it's it's the weirdest thing because it normally the uncanny valley of seeing something digitally constructed you're able to tell but a lot of times in this show i find myself very unsure like kind of like is this a set is this fake and that's a good thing 
Oh, yeah. Uh, the doppelganger asks about Jeffries sending Ray to kill him and confirms that Jeffries had not contacted him at the motel and that the person who did had sent Ray. Uh, he reflects on Jeffrey's appearance at the FBI headquarters and questions him about Judy, who, refer, who Jeffrey says Cooper has already met. Uh, Jeffrey's then gives him a set of coordinates. Uh, a phone rings as the doppelganger continues questioning Jeffrey's. As the mechanism disappears, the doppelganger answers the phone, but is promptly teleported outside the convenience store and finds that the line is dead. Hmm. So, uh... That's kind of kind of bonkers, uh, and then we get Richard Horn showing up. Yes, uh, father, classic father and son bonding here. Uh, you know, he confronts uh, doppelganger Coop, uh, who knows him. He knows him as an FBI agent from a photo his mother Audrey kept. Uh, Cooper quickly disarms him and tells him to join him in the truck. Uh, he then sends a text reading Las Vegas before leaving with Richard. Uh, the convenience store emits electricity and smoke before it disappears. Yeah, so this uh, is a huge reveal, right? Because there was a question about whether or not this was Audrey's kid. Yeah, we didn't get... Well, yeah, I guess we didn't get, like... This is the com- concrete confirmation. There was the stuff with Ben uh, Ben Horn finding out about the hospital, the accident. Um and Richard Horn killing uh, that kid and stuff. Right. But we didn't, I mean, we knew he was a horn. We knew his name was Richard Horn, but we didn't know, like, I guess, I I don't know. I I mean, yeah, so it was Audrey's kid, but then also the the fact that it was with Cooper, but I'm assuming because he's like such an evil piece of shit, it's with this version of Coop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Because, yeah, remember, like, we, anything we would have seen of the real Cooper uh, in between the end of season two and the beginning of the return would just be him in the red room. Right, basically. exactly. Yeah. Um, Cyril Pons walks through the woods with his dog as Stephen and Gersten Hayward hide in the shadow of a large tree. Do we know who Cyril is? No, I'm actually surprised that he has... Such an elaborate name. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? There's more about him. I'm looking at his little thing uh, on the wiki. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's a character that Mark Frost talks about, includes a little bit in his um, Secret History of Twin Peaks book. Excellent. Okay. <clears throat> um, Steven has a gun with him and is contemplating suicide while Gersten tries to console him. Pond sees them, and uh, Gersten runs to a different hiding place before hearing a gunshot. Pons reaches the trailer park and tells Carl about the situation. They look over at Steven and Becky's trailer with the wind still blowing from their last fight. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, honestly, if Steven were to kill himself in this scene, I don't think I'd care that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of don't oh. give a shit about Steven. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't like the character. I do like, I, I kind of like that actor. Oh, um, I do. I love the actor uh, for sure. Yeah, he's great. And he's doing a good job as this like weird drug-addled psycho. But I'm also like, oh, good. Like you'll, You're going to save a lot of people a lot of grief by ending it, Steven. Yeah. Uh, we go to the roadhouse and uh, we get some sharp-dressed man <laughs> with a very yeah. wacky introduction. Yeah. Uh, as James and Freddie approach Renee's table. Now, I got to say, like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a James fan. You are. But, I mean, sure. Like, uh, you know, he's one of the OG Twin Peaks guys. Yeah, he's an OG, but yeah. I think we talked on the last episode, a little bit of a, like, loser, <laughs> creep yeah. kind of guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> what the hell is he doing just, like, going up to this <laughs> woman like her husband is right there? I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, while I, while he's kind of asking hu- for it. Well, yeah, while her <laughs> husband is totally overreacting to this moment, James is also uh, completely. It's like he's um, never been in public before. Is <laughs> yeah. sort of how he's acting. He's like, "Hello, Renee. 
it's good to see you. And then when his her husband's screaming at him, he's like, I was just trying to be polite. I like her. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? You like her? Get the GTFO, James. Um, And uh, Chuck, her husband, attacks him. Freddie comes in with the old uh, green hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, old hands. Knocks, knocks Chuck and his friend out. James urges the crowd to contact 911 for the men, Freddie, uh, incapacitated. Hey, so who do you think's got a stronger punch here? Freddie or Evil Cooper? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Because Evil Cooper, mm-hmm. when he punched a guy's face, that guy's face imploded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't even have... Well, remember, Freddie did say he was trying to go easy. He was, he trying, was to, trying to go easy. Yeah, good call. Good call. Um, Wilson brings Headley to a Douglas and Jane Jones... Or to a Douglas and Jane Jones and their family that have been brought in for questioning. However, these are not the correct Joneses, as they have multiple children. Yeah, um, pretty good. <laughs> there is... One of the only like moments in the behind the scenes where David Lynch gets like is like pissed off mm-hmm. is when he's directing this family, and it's so funny because they it's like five to ten minutes of him directing this scene that you only end up seeing like a second of, right? But it's this family in this room, and he's getting so frustrated with this like the kid that's screaming mm-hmm. is like just can't take direction he's like the worst child actor imaginable <laughs> and you could tell david lynch was just getting like so pissed off it was fun it's it funny to see but That's uh awesome. todd tells roger to find anthony sinclair just before they are both assassinated by chantal uh love this gunshot effect yeah pretty cool like david lynch i would say this he's been doing a lot of Coen Brothers slash Tarantino style murder scenes with guns and knives and stuff. Like there's so much of the return has been action packed, <laughs> which is a weird yeah. thing. I could not have, I, if I could not have predicted that, that he was going to do a lot of like very artistic, very kind of well done scenes showcasing quote unquote cool violence you know like the whole Ike the Spike stuff and you know evil Cooper and Chantel and you know you know shooting people and you know it's just like a lot of scenes that are done I would say done very exquisitely of like cool violence happening which is not like I wouldn't say I guess David Lynch does direct a lot of like there's a lot of violence in David Lynch movies, but not typically, I don't know, not typically done in this sort of like style. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, yes. Uh, there's a lot of really cool, uh, there's tons. Of, this is a super violent season of television. Right. Um, so one, I think the Twin Peaks as a whole is about, uh, a few different things. We'll talk more about this next episode. But one of the things that is, I think this is like sort of David Lynch, um, David Lynch's commentary on like television violence mm. um, and, and sort of like the evolution of it. And uh, like, look at the, like the Audrey Horn scene that we'll get to, um, I guess next episode where like mm-hmm. we finally get this moment where we get to see like this character that everyone loved do this thing that she was known for and like right. dance in the roadhouse to Audrey's dance. And uh, it's sort of this like, it's sort of this like what we've come to know is like the perfect sp- specimen of like reviving a TV show is like, we get exactly what we thought we wanted. Mm-hmm. And then it's just interrupted by like a, like a, a mindless bar fight. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, yeah. 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 And uh, so, yeah, I just a plant that uh, I, I mean, nobody knows what this show is about, but I do think that uh, it's very intentional that this is such a violent, uh, violent season, especially. Right. I mean, I can't even think of a moment in uh, seasons one or two where I'm like, damn, that's like pretty violent. Like, no, maybe not a, in no. Fire Walk With Me, but 
Well, I mean, the the violence in Twin Peaks, the show is almost cartoony. Like, I, I remember, doesn't somebody get shot with a crossbow in, in like an, a scene, and it just like looks uh, so maybe, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's all the Wind Merle like torturing. That's uh, what I mean. Yeah. Leo. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, there was Leo that gets. Yeah. 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 Uh, at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, Hawk and Bobby lock up James and Freddy. James takes notice of NATO. Um. Man, would hate to be stuck in this jail situation with all these people. Yeah, this is quite the uh, motley crew, as my dad <laughs> would call it. <laughs> um, is your dad... Uh, fuck, I can't think of anyone's name from... My, Nikki Six, is he a motley crew guy? Yeah, my dad's Nikki Six. That's why my <laughs> name is Jeremy Six. <laughs> yeah, I've just been mispronouncing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chantal and Hutch eat in their van. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janie E. brings Cooper a slice of cake, uh, reflecting on their life since they became friends to the Mitchum brothers. Uh, as he eats, Cooper observes and experiments with objects on the table, particularly a TV remote. Before we get into this, I was thinking about this when I was watching the scene. I never, I guess I never like put this together, but like Dale Cooper always eating pie. In the original mm-hmm. series, Dougie Jones, he's always eating cake. He's a cake man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, he turns on Sunset Boulevard, uh, which is a film that David Lynch has uh, been inspired by. He's spoken about it in inter- interviews quite a bit. Um, he hears Gordon Cole's name spoken in it, uh, and it startles him. He then looks over at an electrical outlet and crawls toward it. Sticks a fork inside, causes a blackout. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, one fun thing that uh, to read into uh, too much is, do you remember in part three when Cooper is trying to get out, he's on his way out to the world, and he meets NATO uh-huh. um, in, that, in that place, and we see um, that, like, big, like, ele- it's like an electrical socket thing that he goes through. Right. And his shoes stay behind. Mm-hmm. So, the first time we see that device, it has a three on it. And then the second time we see it, it has a 15 on it. Um, and I remember this from, from the time this was airing, as people were waiting for 315 to pay off, the number 315 people were wondering about which was also Cooper's room number at the Great Northern. Right. Um, and three, season three, episode 15, is the episode where uh, oh. technically we get Cooper back. Oh, shit. Yeah, kind of interesting. That's uh, incredibly interesting. <laughs> that's wild. I. That's, uh, so, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Very uh, interesting. Margaret calls Hawk, telling him that she is dying. Uh, he expresses his condolences, but she speaks to him about death and tells him to remember everything that she has told him and to watch for the one. Hawk quietly says goodbye. She hangs up. This is so sad, man. This is dude. Uh, but yeah. it's like it's it's also so sweet that she her character gets to have this sort of moment too. She, I mean, yeah, I I'd be interested interested to know when this was shot because she dies in September hmm. of 2015. So they must have shot her stuff. I'm I'm guessing pretty early for a show that ends up airing in 2017. Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they were working. It sounds like they were working on the return then for a long time. Yeah. Um Frank sits in the conference room, soon joined by Bobby, Lucy, Andy, and Hawk, who has assembled them to mourn Margaret, who has passed away. Uh, The light inside her cabin goes out. Uh, Audrey and Charlie prepare to leave for the roadhouse, though Audrey delays them, commenting that Charlie now seems like a different person. Uh, Charlie takes off his coat, and Audrey attacks him. (laughs) Um, At the roadhouse, the Veils perform axolotl, as two men remove Charlene Yee yeah. <laughs> from a <her> booth. <laughs> I love this. She's great. 
You know, when I was, uh, I've only been to one. No, I've been to a few, but I, the first TV show taping I went to mm-hmm. was a uh, C- Conan, and uh, the guest was Charlene Yee, and I was like super stoked. I had like just moved to LA, and I was like a big fan of uh, that gang Charlene of people, Yee. the Apatow gang. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that crew. Um, um, that is that's wild that Charlene Yee was ever big enough to be a guest on Conan. I guess what was she promoting at the time? Do you remember? I can't even remember. I w- just looked at her IMDb yesterday. Um, and she's been in tons of shit. She does kind of do a lot of these smaller parts, I think, but I think she's in a lot of, uh, like, uh, kids shows and stuff too. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe, yeah, she's like very cool. I remember her, yeah, I remember her fondly from, like, the Knocked Up film and, you know, hanging out in that same crew as, like, um, Michael Sarah, you know. But, like, yeah, I, it was a shocking to see her in this because I hadn't seen her in so long, I guess, is my is my reasoning there. It's it, I kind of thought, and I, maybe I had heard this, but I guess I hadn't heard it. I thought she was kind of done with like acting and stuff. But I think, I think I just made that up cause I didn't see her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, she crawls, she crawls onto the floor and, and then eventually screams at a certain point. I'm was trying, I'm trying to, I was trying to find it. I couldn't find it, but someone, some, you know, twin peaks lunatic had put together, side by side this scene where she's crawling and the scene earlier where Cooper's crawling to the uh, electrical outlet. Yeah. And they match up like when she screams and when Cooper makes the, uh, you know, the lights sticks the fork in the thing. Wow. Um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's part, part 15 for you. Great app. Loved the app. Couldn't even imagine how you would follow up an ep that good. Well, Jeremy, <laughs> did you happen to watch part 16? <laughs> I did happen to watch it. And honestly, Eric, my question was answered. That's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Cooper Ganger and Richard drive down a dirt road and make their way to the coordinates uh, that were given to the doppelganger. Jerry sees them uh, and watches as Richard inspects a rock and doppelganger insists the two of them, uh, insists two of the coordinates lead to. Realizing that is a fucked late- up sentence. So basically yeah. what's happening here is as Cooper's doppelganger expla- explains, you know, he's gotten three different coordinates and two of them match. And they're at the place where two of the coordinates match. Yeah, so who has he gotten coordinates from? He's gotten coordinates from Diane. He's gotten coordinates from... Philip uh, Jeffries. Oh, yeah, he did get coordinates from him. And he got coordinates from Ray. I was Ray. Philip Jeffries is the one that I was forgetting. So, uh, realizing uh, too late that it's a trap, Richard suddenly receives an electric shock and is disintegrated. The doppelganger says, goodbye, my son. He then Mm -hmm. sends a text reading all and gets in his truck. So I'm trying to think. So like two of these people gave him coordinates to a trap, the same trap. And then presumably the other person gave the real coordinates. Right. So that means if they're sending them to the same trap, two of these people had to have been in cahoots you know what i mean like yeah i think so so maybe ray and jeffries because they that's what i assumed i assumed it was ray and jeffries um yeah or did jeffries give him the right coordinates and no because when he texts all to diane she gives him the she gives him. She texts him coordinates. Ah, uh, right. Hmm. And she, because she texts him the coordinates to go to the sheriff's station. 
right? Oh, Zell. Okay. Um. Yeah. That's what she. Yeah. That's what I thought she said in a very harrowing scene that we'll get to in a bit. Uh, Hutch and Chantal wait in their van outside the Jones home. Two FBI cars arrive, and the agents find that there is uh, nobody home, and they head to Lucky 7 Insurance. Uh, Cooper lays comatose in a hospital bed. Janie, E, and Sonny Jim at his side. Mullins arrives, followed by the Mitchum brothers and their assistants who bring them food. I love candies. Like, these are what you call finger sandwiches <laughs> line. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, and then they offer to stock the Joneses' home, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gordon stands in the hotel at Buckhorn as the machines around him begin to buzz. Um, what do you think all these machines are for, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. We've already... I, I can't remember who... I think it was... Maybe it was Michael Chow. Somebody... Or Brian Horton. What, what, one of them posted a... Like a like a tweet about the technology in Twin Peaks, and it's just, it was just like that scene where Robert Forrester like cr- like uh. <laughs> pushes the button and the and the computer pops. It's just like the idea yeah. of technology in Twin Peaks is so funny. Like, what does it all do? It is very Lynchian, as I think is like um, uh, Michael Hearn put it when he when he was on our show, where he's just like he has like Lynch's interpretation of what technology in the future is like it's like so very it's like almost something but mostly just hyper stylized it's very charming but i i love a but i love a good wall of buttons and glowing lights and knobs yeah 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 uh janie e takes sunny jim to the bathroom leaving mullins alone with cooper he receives a call about the fbi agents at the insurance office looking for dougie um, Hutch and Chantal sit in their van and idly chat as Agent Wilson and another agent return to Jones, the Jones home. A limo arrives, followed by a bus brought by the Mitchums, who go into the house. A Polish accountant uh, <laughs> approaches Hutch and Chantal, complaining they're in his driveway. They refuse to move. He pushes the van with his car, Chantal shoots at him, and he returns fire. They drive away, and the accountant continues shooting, killing both of them. <laughs> uh, the FBI arrests the man as the Hutchins van uh, cr- catches fire. Uh, the Mitchums watch the spectacle with confusion. <laughs> yeah, so this is exactly in line with what I was saying in the last episode about like shooting, like shooting scenes of violence in this particular way, too, where it's like... It's just full of like irony and has, and it's also like composed super beautifully. Like this reminds me, there's a Coen Brothers scene in um, the film Miller's Crossing that's almost exactly like this, where like they shoot out a car and a car like slowly hits a telephone pole as, as opposed to like crashing into it really fast, like you would see in a uh, most action films. Mm. And it's just like I don't know. It's just I, I I find it really charming that he's going there and he's kind of flexing that cinematic muscle while at the same time being sort of surprised because this isn't like David Lynch. This isn't like his style, you know, to have like machine guns a-blazing. I mean, there's always moments in films, right? Like Wild at Heart, you get the moment where like, you know, uh, you know, Willem Dafoe blows his own head off, you know, and, but you never get like, (laughs) like the, like a scene that you would see in No Country for Old Men, for example. That's what this is to me. Or, or a show like Justified. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's something. It's 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 very. This scene is is it's just so bonkers. It's um, so bonkers, and it. you know what? It's also like, I mean, it's also pretty funny. Like, were you kind of like, yeah. la- like it's humor? Were you like kind of laughing for a lot of this? Like watching the yeah. Mitchum brothers look on as this was happening was like so yes, funny. and it's funny that the Mitchum brothers are the ones that are like <laughs> sitting there just watching. Yeah, they're staying completely out of it. <laughs> um, Mullins hears a noise in the hospital and follows it. Mike appears to Cooper as he wakes up, finally mentally and physically restored to his former self. 100% is what he says. Uh, he tells Cooper that his doppelganger did not return to the lodge and gives him the ring. Cooper has Mike make another duplicate of himself with a strand of his hair. 
similar to the seed that Dougie Jones returned uh, turned into. Uh, Janie E and Sonny Jim arrive, followed by Mullins. Cooper announces that he is leaving. The doctor lets him go. I threw a mini party in my Hell room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I shouted. I clapped. My dog jumped on the bed. I'm not even kidding. This all really happened. I've been so excited for this moment. Was it worth the wait? Yes, I do think so. Now that we're finally here, I do think the Dougie stuff paid off. I, I, I'll i be interested in doing a rewatch of the show to see if the Dougie stuff is actually like more palatable to me, you know, in a rewatch. But there is something about I was been waiting for this so long that it, it was it was grating on me anytime I saw Dougie do anything at some point. But now, yeah. Now that I now that I've seen it and I know it and I've gotten that release, I I wonder what a repeat viewing of the return would be like if I if I actually find the Dougie stuff to be more awesome. Because Michael Chow, you both, you and Michael Chow, and it seems like everyone I talked to, Hearn, they all seem to like the Dougie stuff just fine. Yeah, I I mean I'm not. It does get a little. It, it gets a little much in in certain points, but sometimes it it works really well. But yeah, I mean, I think one of the themes of this whole, I think that the whole this whole revival season of the show from twenty five years ago, I think is like in different ways commenting on just the idea of of that, like the idea right. of like what we're doing, just like bringing all these shows back together, and what we how we just all expect what we're our expectations are, yeah. and how those expectations like can't really be met because right that happened a long time ago just can't like (laughs) you can't just bring something back to you know it would be weird if this show like came back and we were just in twin twin peaks again and we were just only hanging out with those same characters because like yeah it's great to see like norma pop up a couple times in the season and it's great to see big ed and nadine and all those people but like they're all pretty old and we kind of like we get like we've gotten enough of them where all we really need from them is like these little moments like with Ed and Nadine in part 15 where we like finally get that closure where it's like we don't uh, you know we it's it's I don't know but uh I'll say like re-watching this again knowing how long it takes to get back to Dale Cooper right um I actually, I, it's it's great. It's it's nice to see him, but I actually have almost an opposite feeling where I'm like, oh fuck, this means we're almost done. Right, and I did kind of have a little bit of that too, where I was like, oh man, and it's right at the end. Like we get him, we finally get him, with only two episodes left. But how satisfying is it when he finally wakes up? It's great. It's so it it's so it, satisfying. Even before he says anything, it, it, he's such a good actor because you can just tell right away. You're like, oh, this okay, this is he's Dale Cooper now. Like, yeah, I mean the uh, line, like I I I could not believe I got a I got a moment with Dale Cooper where he looks basically into camera wearing a suit and just says, <laughs> yeah. "I am the FBI." Yeah, that's good. <laughs> It's good. That shit is so fucking tasty. I could not believe it. I couldn't believe my ears and eyes. I I was like, "Bravo, you did it!" Yes, Dale Cooper is the FBI. It's the it's the fantasy FBI. You know, it's like the FBI I yeah. actually want to exist, as opposed to the ones that do exist, which are probably hate mongering fucking weirdos. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So Cooper borrows Mullen's handgun. And asks him to contact the Mitchum brothers to tell him that he is bringing his wife and family to the Silver Mustang and he needs a plane to Spokane. Uh, I love this <laughs> little scene with uh, where Jim Belushi is, like makes another phone call and he's like, gas it up, we're going to Spokane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, starts the com- he starts the phone call by saying, Yep, we're gassing it up. <laughs> like <laughs> like as if the person was waiting to hear from him whether yeah, or not like they were gassing it. On call. Yeah. Uh, Cooper gives Mullins a message to read to Cole, and he gives his uh, farewells. Cooper leaves with the Jones family as the FBI arrives at the hospital. Uh, Diane smokes at the hotel bar and receives the text sent by Cooper's doppelganger. 
Uh, unnerved, she remembers and responds with a series of numbers. Uh, she checks her handbag, revealing a gun before walking away from the bar and goes to Gordon, Albert, and Tammy. Tells them about the night Cooper's doppelganger visited her. Yeah, and we get that um, fucking sick that song t- again. tune. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's called American Girl. Um, oof. That was that shit was, and I knew I knew something was fucked, right? Not just because the song played and the text, but just like, oh no no, no. So like this the song triggered that like. I mean, we're about to just we're about to like launch into it, but she's a tulpa. She is not real herself, and I just fucking knew it. I just as yeah. soon as that song played, it was almost like that's the theme song for the tulpas or whatever. Um, she recounts the evening a few years after Cooper's disappearance. Uh, doppelganger showed up at her house. Uh, while she was ecstatic to see him, the doppelganger only wanted to know about FBI stuff. Uh, he learned he leaned in to kiss her, but something went wrong and caused Diane to be fearful. He smiled and uh, raped her. Uh, Diane says that he then took her to an old gas station before suddenly declaring that she is in the sheriff's station. Uh, Diane becomes upset saying I'm not me and draws the gun in her purse. Albert and Tammy react in time shooting her and she abruptly disappears. A horrified Tammy realizes Diane was a tulpa. Gordon questions what she meant by sheriff station. Right. Right. Uh crazy I, performance. Yeah. Really, really wild stuff here. So maybe what I'm here, what I'm misremembering then is that she says that she was in the sheriff's station, not that the coordinates lead him to the sheriff's station. Although they could. Oh, yeah, that could be it. I Yeah, I still don't, I can't remember what this, what she means by I'm in the sheriff's station. Um, but hopefully we find out. Yeah. Uh, Diane appears in the red room where Mike tells her she was manufactured. She responds with, I know, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Uh, her face breaks open, releasing black smoke and a seed before she disintegrates. Uh, love these effects. Yeah, they're they're really good. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper brings Janie E and Sonny Jim to the casino, and the Mitchums take notice of his different behavior. He tells Janie E and Sonny Jim that he has to leave, but appreciated the time he spent with them. An emotional Sonny Jim doesn't understand. Cooper assures them one day Dougie will come back to them. Uh, this would be so weird, like, for Sonny Jim, like, just thinking back at that point in his life where he had a different dad for a little while who was just, like, (laughs) basically a vegetable. No, that's fucking, that's a nightmare. (laughs) The, The implications of this whole thing really is terrifying and terrible i'm interested to see how they actually wrap that up because i promise you i will not stop thinking about it until they answer the question like what are they going to do about this family now just not having a dad anymore (laughs) yes well i think the what's implied by cooper giving mike his a piece of his hair and telling him to make another uh Mm -hmm. beat or whatever right is to manufacture another dougie to come back and um, Janie E realizes the man she believed to be Dougie isn't. She thanks him for his help and kisses him before he goes. Uh, Cooper speaks to the Mitchum bros about his actual identity on the way to the plane, initially protesting that while they love Dougie Jones, uh, who they still think Cooper is, they are traditionally not welcome in such places or by such people as law enforcement. Uh, Cooper agrees, but asserts that the situation will be different and that they have the hearts of gold. To which Candy enthusiastically agrees. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very sweet scene. All right, Edward Lewis Sever Severson the uh, Third, Eddie Vedder, mm-hmm. is uh, performing "Out of Sand." This damn song is not on Spotify. I've been wanting to listen to this. You know, I've been uh, over the course of my life. I've probably four or five times tried to get into Pearl Jam. Oh, really? And they have a lot of stuff, and I think I 
didn't uh like whatever i was picking like it just wasn't working for me mm-hmm. but after i watched this episode this weekend i started listening to what i think is their newest album which usually when i listen to a new band i start with the old stuff right but their newest album is like fucking great and now i'm like now i'm in like a huge pearl jam uh groove that I'm is so that's so awesome. <laughs> That's so Do you, funny. Have you, are you a Pearl Jam guy? So my best friend in high school, Abigail Marshall, if you're out there, what up, what up? Uh, she was the principal's daughter. She was into Pearl Jam. Like That was her favoritist band. Um, and she really liked a, uh, a particular album by them called, let me see if I can pull it up real fast. Uh, I believe it was called not ten, but uh, verses. I believe is the name of the okay the album, right? I see. So, okay. Uh, verses. Let me let me make sure that that's it. No, maybe it's maybe it is. Maybe it's yield. Yeah, okay, let's just say it was Yield, right? Um, So she bought me a copy of it, and I listened to Yield a a ton, which was an album that came out in 1998. It has the song Do the Evolution on it, which is like one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. But to be honest with you, I hadn't... um, You know, I never got into them so much, you know? Like, I never got into them, like, to the point where I was, you know, they were up there in my favorite bands, or, like, listening to them all the time. It really was just sort of like a throw them on every now and then kind of a deal. And um, I always appreciated them. And, like, I, I, I think I even had, like, one of their live concerts on DVD or whatever <laughs> back when I was collecting, like, a lot of band concerts. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're pretty fucking awesome. You know, I have been into uh, Eddie Vedder, by the way, just like one of the coolest looking dudes, especially in this with that the hat and stuff. But uh, I've, I have uh, I did. I do like his uh, his like more solo stuff like that ukulele album is very good. Um, and then he did all of the music for Into the Wild. Did you have you ever listened yeah. to the Into the Wild uh Music. Yeah, it it's great. It's great really stuff. Good. Yeah. Really good. Um yeah, so anyway, he's playing out of sand. Audrey <laughs> and Charlie show up. Uh order drinks at the bar. Charlie toasts to them, Audrey toasts to Billy. The MC introduces Audrey's dance, and the floor clears out for her to dance. The crowd sways back and forth as the song to the song as Audrey dances sensually like she used to during her teenage years. Uh, a jealous husband then cracks a bottle over another person's head, starting a fight. Audrey runs to Charlie, asking him to get her out. Suddenly, she finds herself in a white room, looking into a mirror. She begins to dude, panic. Dude. <laughs> uh, Fuck. Yeah. What do you think of that? Fuck, man. I I uh, actually, for some reason, for whatever reason, did not see that coming. I did not see that, like... Yeah, I didn't see This it. is possibly all in her head you know like it seemed like like when she in that moment like the reality shattered for a minute or like the the fantasy shattered and she was looking into a mirror in what looked like a hospital like a white room like a white hospital room or something yeah um Yeah. yeah so i i didn't see that coming so crazy how cool was it though to hear that song again very cool I mean, we have not gotten a lot of the original score of Twin Peaks, other than the intro song. We've only gotten really that. We haven't gotten any of this cool, that cool like noir, bass, bass tune, whatever you want to call that, like bass and marim. What it was that do 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 like that yeah, that instrument, yeah. whatever that is. Like, yeah, a a, a, a crazy amount of the 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 score for Twin Peaks has been absent from the return. So to hear it was like, oh my god! It was like, <laughs> oh, was also like, right yeah. before they go to—I forget at what moment—but we do get Julie Cruz 
we get the theme song in the middle of an episode right before they fly to Washington, I think. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. I think so. Maybe. Yeah. I can't remember what scene, what fucking scene that is, but, uh, yeah, that was cool too. Um, yeah. And then we get the roadhouse band playing, uh, to Audrey's dance, but it's in reverse. Right. With the credits going. Fucking weird, dude. We're at the end, man. We're at the end. Penultimate episode. We just wrapped it today. That means next week is going to be our finale before we launch into an entirely different podcast. Eric, what are your thoughts, man, going into this? Going into the the new the new venture? The new venture and ending this old one. Uh ending the old one, uh you know, it's it's uh it's sad. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm as, as bummed as you are, but, uh, I had a good time. You know, I had a great time. I had a great sure. time. Uh, I mean, there's not really anything else we can do here besides, I mean, I guess we could do it all again, but yeah, we could just do it again from the <laughs> beginning, start it over, but I don't know. It's, I kind of love it. Like, uh, you kind it's kind of like the perfect amount of something to get Twin Peaks. It's like. Uh, with the return and everything, it's 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 a good amount of stuff. It, we, we got a lot to chew on. Um, I am actually, I'm very excited to talk to go through the Paul Thomas Anderson movies. <laughs> sure. I am uh, surprisingly excited to go through all of the Paul W S Anderson movies. Psyched about it. I think it. they'll just be really fun to have conversations about. Oh yeah, and I think some of them will be pretty good. Like the there's a few that I'm quite interested uh, in 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 seeing, Alien versus Predator. Kind of, I don't think I've ever seen any of the uh, the Resident Evil movies, Resident <laughs> Evil franchise. <laughs> Hell um, yeah, dude! Hell and yeah. to be honest with you, and this might be controversial, <laughs> I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan. I didn't think you were. I kind of remember this now. You saying yeah. that you weren't really. Yeah, that is. Well, I guess we'll. You know, it'll be good for you to maybe go back through them to see. You know, no, but I'm saying I'm, on that. I think it'll be. I think it'll be interesting for me because I haven't really watched any of his stuff. The last thing I saw was Isle of Dogs in theaters. Yeah. Um. And so I haven't, and everything of his I've seen, I've watched like one time. Like I haven't seen uh fucking what's the one with the the Boy Scout kid uh the Oh, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. I haven't seen that since that came out in theaters. I mean, a lot of a lot of these movies I hadn't seen in forever. And right. I like a lot of those actors and I do like Rushmore a lot. So I I I am I'm looking forward to like going in and doing a little research and like learning a little bit about Wes Anderson. Learning more about all these guys, but uh I don't know. How are you feeling about about everything? You know, I'm excited to get onto the new stuff, but I'm going to be sad to leave this this chapter of my life behind me of covering all this good this good Stanley Kubrick, David Lynch stuff. Um, yeah, I'm 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 most excited to see like from those that era of Paul Thomas Anderson and, and Wes Anderson films, which ones sort of like with the Kubrick stuff, like which ones I'm going to end up like not liking as much as i thought i did like that's been the and and then and then by that same token which ones i like a lot more than i remember because i now i'm now 33 years old i just had a birthday a couple weeks ago and i'm thinking like you know my my palette has so dramatically changed since i experienced all these films for the first time including the world itself has changed so much so you know a lot of the films that we grew up with, you know, don't age quite as well. I think we found that with a lot of, a lot of the Kubrick stuff in particular, you know, it was sort of like, Oh, Lolita, Oh, Clockwork Orange, you know, like a little like, like not as, not as, not quite as, um, as, uh, as fond of those films from a, from a more modern, from a more modern viewing of them. But, you know, I, but I don't know with films like hard eight with Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, or, um, or you know, Magnolia used to be my favorite movie, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So I wonder 
what that's going to be like. Same, same thing with like Life Aquatic. Haven't seen that in a long time. And then all the Paul W. S. Anderson stuff. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we are going to. Uh, we've got. We're we're gonna. I, I've got like a ranking system in the work. In the works, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do. I guess we'll explain it more when the podcast comes up. But what, the idea of the podcast is by the end of it, uh, between you and me and our listeners, we will decide definitively who is the best director of the three. And uh, I'm very excited to find out <laughs> what, what <laughs> yeah. everyone thinks. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, actually, I'll get into this in the uh, Patreon episode. So if you're not signing up, if you're not signed up for the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. You can go on there and you can do $5. You can get on the $5 tier and you get access to all of our bonus episodes we've ever done and all the new ones for a month. And you can decide then if you want to keep going. You don't have to like keep, you know, subscribing every month. Just just a little taste if you want. Oh, um, yeah. You know. That's uh, that's the that's the guarantee. Is uh, you know, once you once you get the five dollar tier, you're you're gonna want to stick around. You're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna find out what the hell's going on with the Crypt Keeper, and more importantly, what we think about what's going on with the Crypt Keeper. You're gonna wanna know about the conspiracies in Hollywood. Which, by the way, I got to do another one of those episodes at some oh, point. Oh, please! The people need <laughs> to know, Eric. Uh, but Jeremy. Uh, anything you got? You got anything to plug before we sign off? No, just the Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. Sign up there. At least at the five dollar level, you get all of our bonus content. It is a good time over there. And uh, oh, and if and if that's too much, if that's if that is a, uh, you know, if, if that's crossing some sort of boundary that you have with you know your podcast, uh, podcast that you love, where you're like, yes, I love them, but I don't want to pay them money for stuff. Uh, maybe you could just write us a, a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us yes. get seen by more people. You know, a five-star review, oh, that goes a long way. You'd be shocked. So that could be nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we love love the help, especially when we're uh, be transforming into a new, a whole new name, a whole new brand. Uh, it'll, it'll really kick things off for us. So uh, uh, anything you can do to help would be great. And Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. <laughs>